So continuing on, we say a disciple is a lifestyle of staying with the Lord, a life of faith and obedience. New Testament even quoting all says, my faithful one will live by faith. He don't have no one-time experience. I don't count much on a one-time experience. Oh, you give a novice and a baby a, a little while, but when he's acting like a baby after five years, you're wondering, he probably got the wrong gospel or he backslid. He's not no, God has no baby Christians that are 20 and 30 years old. That's a false gospel. If they haven't had the truth, they haven't labored in the word of God. God would enlighten them. They can't blame it on not having teachers and pastors. They blame it on themselves. God holds them responsible. Says so anyone that wants to my doctrine will know it. The Holy Spirit will enlighten that person and help them and give all grace if they labor in his word and prayer and they obey him. See, the problem is they don't obey him. So Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, now when Jesus says, all authority is given to me and I'm sending you into the world, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Actually, after Pentecost, most of the time they baptized people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They considered that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's name. See, that's why we see once Christ is glorified, he's in a different position than he is on the earth. When all his glories return to him, he's one with the Father. He's called the Almighty, the Everlasting Father in Isaiah, remember? And so he said what? When they turn to the Lord, when they believe and turn to the Lord, they begin to be a disciple, so you baptize them. That's the public showing, witnessed to the world and others that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, not as your Savior and not your Lord. These are heresies. These people are damned to the lake of fire forever, and they're going to be in a deeper place for their heresies. And what does he say? 20. Read this. This is Jesus. People like to emphasize Jesus' word over the apostles. At times, it's not true. He says, I can't tell you certain things until the Holy Spirit comes. And how is he going to reveal them? Through the apostles. See? See? They're ignorant people who try to pit apostle against apostle, and Jesus is better than the apostles. As far as doctrine, you won't find that taught in the scripture. He says, they're going to teach you what I can't. They're going to take you places that I couldn't go, see? But he's in them doing this work in the saint, the Christian. He says in verse 20, teaching them. Who? The ones who've been baptized and converted and came to the Lord and believed on him and repented. And what does he say? What do you teach them? He says to observe all things that I've commanded you. All of the parables, the teachings of Jesus, the emphasis on parts of the law and the prophets, he says, you teach them that as I commanded you, and then I will always be with you. If you do this is what he implies. I'll be with you when you do these things. I'll be in you, actually. As he said, I am now with you, but I shall be in you. The Christ is the divine God. He's part of the Godhead. He is the Lord of glory, who even the demons said, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of Israel. That was only referred to as Jehovah God. 
He said, we know who you are. Have you come to torment us before the time? They knew him as the judge. Are you going to cast us into the lake of fire now? That's what they were worried about, okay? But he sent him out. They recognized who he was. More and often before the disciples recognized what Jesus was doing and what his ministry. And Jesus told them to shut up. He did not need their witness. He did not need them telling people who he was. He, he, he knew his Father in heaven, like he said to Peter. Flesh and blood didn't tell you this. My Father in heaven revealed this to you. It's a spiritual It's not a mental ascent to Scripture. That's why most Christians, so-called, are not Christians. They read and think in their mind, and there's no spiritual transaction. There's no work of the Holy Spirit. There's no sustaining relationship with God. So they're not Christians, very simple. So that includes, when he says that teach them all things, that includes the whole gospel of the apostolic teaching. So he says, when I go, and he came back at Pentecost as a spirit, and he came back, and he anointed them to preach the gospel, and appointed, anointed the apostles and elders with power to witness, and later on he brought some of the Gentiles in. That's the gospel. The gospel is not just what Jesus said. Jesus is going to say it again through the apostolic world, and through his own believers. The law came from him. People don't understand that. He was the angel of the Lord. He was the covenant keeper. He instituted the law. He was the creator of the world. See, he was one with the Father. He was one with the Godhead. And and his actions as Christ, he lives in us as God. So that's what he's talking about. So when I hear people say, well, I take Jesus' word over the apostles, and I say, then you're a heretic. You're a false Christian. Even Jesus will reject you for being stupid. That's what he is. Paul called people stupid. He called Christians stupid and foolish. James called them foolish. Uh, remember, three times. Who did James call foolish and stupid? You who believe that faith alone saves you. I don't care what Martin Luther said. He was wrong there. There has to be spiritual works. There has to be fruit. There has to be obedience or there's no faith. So James says, can faith alone save you? Or he says, if you have no works, he said, you're foolish. Faith without works is dead. He made it very plain. So those who teach of faith and grace that's not dependent on obeying the Lord and staying with the Lord or preaching a false gospel. That will not save them, okay? And like James says, well, I'll show you my faith by my works. See, you can't show a person your faith until you work. Works are spiritual. They come from God. Fruit comes from God. You can't show fruit. You can give obedience to the act of your will to the Lord, okay? But otherwise, that kind of faith, and that's the kind of faith most people have and had through centuries, and that's why they are not Christians. And that's why the Lord will say, I never knew you, to the masses. And they'll claim his name. They believe he died on the cross. And they'll even say, we prophesied in your name. We've done many wonderful things. And he says, you're lawless. You're wicked. You're cursed of my father. 
and he puts them into the lake of fire, the second death. That's to those who claim to be Christians, okay? So if one does not continue to follow the Lord, if one does not continue to stay in the race and the pilgrimage and the warfare, he is not a Christian. It means he's fallen away. He's backslidden. A true backslider is no longer a Christian. We may backslide on some of our actions and do certain things that are not good and disapproval, and God says, correct it. And if we don't judge ourselves, we'll be judged of the Lord. And then if we don't judge ourselves and we rebel against it, we will be cut off. Very simple. See, people need to know the truth. There is the fear of the Lord. And if Christians don't fear the Lord and fear sin, they have to, we have to question whether they're a true Christian or not. Okay? Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay, he's going to start talking. Sometimes he's going to talk to the Jewish Christian because they're proud of the law and certain things of the law. They think they're a little, they're sort of like the Corinthians, they're a little better, rich and intellectual Christians didn't think too well of the poor and ignorant and the slave Christians. That's why many of them died and were judged by the Lord. And so God's going to instruct them, and then he's going to instruct the Gentiles who get a little proud and, and mighty and think they're better than the Jewish Christian. He puts them in their place, both of them. So he'll go back and forth and deal with each one of them, because that was one of the main problems with the church that was at Rome. Okay, so he's not ashamed. That word here, it means differently. It doesn't mean he's ashamed of the Lord. He don't want people to know he's a Christian. It's not that kind of shame. It's taken from the Old Testament. And to be ashamed means you're confounded and disappointed. See, that's what the word means. So he's saying, I'm not confounded or disappointed. I'm a Jew that turned to the Lord. But he's going to show that Jews who don't turn to the Lord, they are confounded. They're still confounded until the Lord returns. They have no special standing. They actually have a special judgment on them that even the Gentiles don't have. He said, I'll pursue you among the nations, and wherever you go, I will send persecutors. Because see, they won't, they're trying to come through another Messiah. They won't accept the one that's been given. So God's wrath still abides on them like it did on the priest and the Sadducees and the Pharisees that did not accept the Lord, okay? And so those Jews who rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Messiah, they have been disappointed, and they are looking for and confounded. They have no hope. They think they have. They're hoping for Messiah. He's already come. They're hoping for something that's not going to happen. Because Jesus Christ is the only one that can do this. So they remain under God's displeasure and their expectation is cut off because there is no other way. Okay, There is no fellowship of the Christians and the Jews as you see sometimes advertised on television. A true Christian cannot have fellowship with a true Jew who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Christ. Very simple. Scripture says, we'll get there again, you can't have fellowship with God and the devil. He calls their father the devil if they don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord, okay? So only after the Antichrist 
comes up against the nations and he will break a treaty with the Jews and try to annihilate them. And it's believed he'll probably kill the majority of them. And then the remnant, the Lord will come at the right time and they will recognize him and they will mourn for him and they will turn to Jesus Christ as their Messiah, the ones that are left. And then after God destroys the Antichrist and the false prophet and the wicked, he will set up the millennium reign, okay? But not until then. The Jew is the enemy according to the gospel, okay? So Israel will see Jesus one day. So to the Jew first, people think because they're privileged. Well, that was only part of the reason. The gospel to the Jew first was why? Because it came out of, which is true, it came out of faithful Jews through Abraham and the prophets and David, Moses. The gospel was being given and laid the foundation. The full revelation had not been given. So they were laying the foundations. The Jews did this because they were in covenant with God. But because they forsook the covenant before God turned them over and judged them and wiped out their system, they have need of greater grace than the Gentile does. They spurned the grace and covenants of God and they were greatly privileged and therefore they will be greatly judged and they're under greater sin before God. See, that's why they need the greater grace and they need to be saved through this grace. And who is it? Jesus Christ. That's the way they're going. So if they come, they will come through Jesus. They're not going to come pushing the law and the ordinances because it's been abolished. It no longer exists. There's nothing to go back to. That was the tribe of the Hebrew Christians. They were being persecuted for Jesus and some of them thought, well, maybe we'll go back to the law and we won't be as... And he said, you have enough to go back to. And how much greater punishment do you think you're going to get if you reject your only Lord and Savior and go back to a, a system that's dead? Common sense tells you what will come upon them, the greater punishment. So they need greater grace. they under the greater sin and need more grace. Gentiles, which Greeks are mentioned as the cultured, and the other ones has to be in the foolish. The foolish ones were like Nineveh. Remember, they were Gentiles. They were an enemy of Israel for many years and the Jews. But Nineveh, remember, God said uh, he was going to show mercy on them. And Jonah didn't like it. He wanted God to kill them all because of the deeds they had done to the Jews. And God had decided to show mercy to them. See, they were a Gentile group. And they weren't given any promise. Isn't that amazing? God says, you'll go to them and tell them in 40 days, I'll destroy none of them. They weren't told that if they repented or they could repent, that God would spare. They were simply told, you're going to be destroyed. And the king and the leaders got together and said, hmm, for a Jew to come here, a Jewish prophet who hates us, and all the Jews hate us, God must have sent him. So they used their simple logic. This has to be God. And they heard the story already about the fish and being vomited out and coming against his will. They were saying, this must be God. So perhaps they said, he will repent of destroying us if we repent. If we... So in their best knowledge, they fasted. They even fasted the animals. Because God said to Jonah, there are many people there and much cattle. So even God was concerned 
with the cattle. But God decided to be gracious and merciful to a people that had no promises. They were without hope, in a sense, without the promise of the law. They were in a covenant people. And so many of the Gentiles that Paul's talking about, they're like that. They go about their business and they weren't given a covenant. But now through Jesus Christ, he calls all men to repent. They're offered a better covenant and it's available to anybody. So we see that Nineveh, God said to Jonah, he said they don't know their left hand from their right hand. But he means in spiritual matters, the Ninevites were totally ignorant. But they weren't so ignorant that they figured out Perhaps if we repent, God will repent. They came up with that on their own. Isn't that astounding? They had no promise. And Jonah was camped outside the city hoping God would destroy him. And he was hoping after 40 days God would destroy him. He he didn't like that at all. He got reproved by the Lord for it later. Okay. So they were greater in sin. And God held them greater responsible. The Gentiles are responsible for their sin but not like the Jews are because they were given much more privileges and covenants and to much is given, much is required. Okay? Scripture says, Jesus said, they will come from the east and the west and the north and they will sit in the kingdom of Abraham and the children of the kingdom, the Jew, he says, shall be cast into outer darkness. He says only a remnant will be saved. Only a few Jews in proportion out of the, he said, at numbers like the stars. So they're not going to be many saved. Isn't that astounding? See, because they broke the covenants. They didn't keep the covenants after God's many warnings. They killed his prophets. They killed his son. He's holding them more accountable. He says not many of them are going to be saved. Just a remnant, okay? Remnant is only mentioned with the Jew, not the Gentile or the church, okay? As we're entering a darker time, spiritually, we're falling away from the church. True Christianity, not denominations, they've already fallen away. They're already deceived. But there will be true Christians and true Christian fellowships, and they will fall away. They'll be led away by false teachings, materialism, license to sin, and that's what we talk about all the time. They'll be led astray. They'll mix with other religions and like Catholicism has done. He said they'll be a, a falling away from the true church. And the Apostle Peter says, better they did not know the Lord, that then they turned from him. They will receive the greater judgment, as Hebrews says. How much greater punishment do you think they're going to get? They'll be crucifying Christ twice. So their punishment in hell will be far greater than the normal sinner, okay? They will answer for more to God in his justice, okay? So we see then less knowledge and not held as responsible as the Jews were. But God deals with individual Gentiles and heathen even under the law, before the law. He didn't mean every Gentile was without hope. He meant in general, the nations were without hope of a covenant. That was the old. He said he winked at the nation. He winked at, but Job was a righteous Arab. He was Arabian, it's believed. And he probably lived during the time of Joseph in Egypt. He was more righteous if Joseph was living. 
Joseph was fulfilling a covenant, and Joseph was righteous, but the Lord said, there's none in all the earth that is like Job. Isn't that astounding? He was a Gentile, okay? So we see, there were no real Jews then. They were under the God Almighty. They were under conscience and the patriarchs. See, God was formulating. He was still. And there were righteous people who weren't of Israel. See? So we see that, that that's how God would deal. He said, none like him in all the earth. Told the devil that. He bragged on him. He said, I've gone throughout the earth looking and I've not seen one like Job. Now, that's a very flattering thing to be said, that God flatters you that way, huh? Okay. So they had no promise of covenant. They had less light, so they were less responsible. But all wicked men and sinners are responsible and are held responsible. And as I said, contrary to false Christianity, everybody's had grace given to them. Nature itself reveals that there's the God Almighty. We'll see that. Their conscience, which God has put in man, is from him. It's the inner law. They're without excuse. The gospel gives more light. The law gave more light to the, than others, and then the gospel gave the complete light. Okay, But he dealt with them according to the light they were given. It said he winked at their ignorance. But once they hear the gospel, he ain't winking at them no more. He's going to hold them responsible, the same as he held the disobedient Jews responsible. He puts them in the same category. So we see the scripture tells us, even though the Jews would be as stars of heaven, sands of the sea, told Abraham, he said, only a few of them will ever be saved. And then the Lord, when Peter asked him about people saved, he said, the way is very narrow and difficult and few there be that find it. So as a whole, in the whole world of mankind, there's not going to be that many in comparison to the wicked that are saved. Okay? So we see this. So even now, at this time that Paul is writing, there's much more Gentile Christians in the Roman Empire, and that was the world, than there is in Judah in Jerusalem. And further it goes along, it gets less and less. See, they've been given their opportunity, and then he says, okay, now they can be dealt with. They don't have no special favor. They don't come through my son. I reject them like I do every heathen person, a nation, okay? So that's the difference he's making. Okay. When a Jewish people try to propagate themselves and honor themselves among the nation, God always brings them down. Hitler destroyed half of the Jewish world. They were very prominent in Germany. That's why Hitler didn't like them. They owned half of everything. They thought they were better than Gentiles. I know a person whose mother grew up during that time, and she said that's how the Jews were. They thought they were better. You are just Gentile. Well, God saw to it, through the devil, that they weren't better. See, and he said he would do that to all the nations. So you cannot have fellowship with a, a true Christian, cannot have spiritual fellowship with a true Jew, unless he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? That shows you there's false shepherds out there. That shows you there's a lot of 
fundamentalist shepherds who don't know the gospel and have no business preaching, even if some of them are saved, they're novices and ignorant concerning the word and should keep their mouth shut. Okay? Verse 17. For in it, the gospel, it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And as is written, my righteous or just one shall live by faith. This is quoted about four times in the New Testament. He said he shall live by faith. Didn't say he'll get saved by faith. Didn't say he'll be born again one time and he don't have to worry about anything. You don't find that in the teaching. He says he's going to live by faith. His lifestyle. He's going to be a pilgrim, an overcomer. And Jesus tells us that those that don't overcome, their ultimate end is the lake of fire, which is the second death. Those who will not overcome and live for Christ, okay? That's the end of them. So righteousness was revealed from God, it says, from faith to faith. Why, the father of faith, Abraham, was righteous. He proved that he had the right faith by offering up Isaac, by obeying the Lord, by going out and seeking a land from where he lived. See, he proved he had a faith in what God was telling him because he obeyed him. That's the only kind of faith there is. If he had not offered up Isaac, God would not have put the blessings on him. It was after he offered Isaac, the full blessings came upon him. See? People forget that. It wasn't just he mentally believed that God was the supreme being. Abraham's father and relatives were idolatrous. And when Abraham's father died, God called him to leave. See? He didn't want him where he was. I'm going to make a new nation out of you. I'm going to make a new covenant with mankind through you. So he was before the law of Moses. Scripture says he was higher than the law. See, the Levites paid tithes when their fathers were still in the loins of Abraham. So faith took precedent over the law. He was training them and bringing about certain events. But his ultimate plan was to save people through faith and righteousness through Christ Jesus from the beginning, from the time in the garden when he slayed the animals to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve, the shedding of blood. See, he'd planned the gospel was laid from the foundation of the world. Once man sinned, God already had a plan in effect, okay? what he was going to do. So the law was a sidetrack. It was a schoolmaster. A schoolmaster means for children. And when they got to a certain age, they were to mature. So when he brought about the, we call it the Reformation, he, called, he brought about it, fulfilled the law, the prophets, and that's in Christ. Christ said the prophets, the Psalms, and the law speak of me. See, they all reveal who he is and what his ministry is going to be. So he intended to teach them through the law and ritual, ceremony, cling and uncling. He taught them things that their mind could understand because they had no born-again spirit. See? So he dealt with them at a lower level. He gave them laws that they could obey. 
If they chose not to, then they reaped the consequences. If they did certain sins like blasphemy and idolatry, there was no mercy. They would be dragged away from God's altar and stoned to death. He made provision for most of their sins, not their willful, continual disobedience, idolatry and fornication and murder, other things he made no provision for. He had them put to death. He said, if a man kills another man, that meant unlawfully, it's called murder, he is to be killed. He is to lawfully be put to death. So people who don't believe in the capital punishment have no business studying the Bible or teaching because they don't know the basics. Paul said the governments are ministers of God to punish evildoers. He said they do not bear the sword in vain. What is the sword for? It's not for spanking someone. The sword is to kill somebody. And God intends that a good government of any sort puts to death the excessively wicked in society. The murderers, the rapists, and all of these. You didn't have to be put to death for stealing or certain things. You paid penalties. But there were certain sins that society should not put up with. We got a million and a half people in our prisons, and probably 90% of them, according to God's law, should have been put to death a long time ago, okay? To maintain order in society. Because if there's not order, there's anarchy. And that's the power of the devil during anarchy, okay? So that's what the law was, to teach these principles. And then when he got to a certain place, said, I'm showing mercy, I'm covering your sins, I won't tolerate your gross sin. He never did under any covenant because man doesn't have to do them. But he says, your inner sin, your bitterness, the things you fail at, they have to be forgiven. Under me, there has to be perfection. And to be forgiven, there has to be sacrifice. Somebody has to pay the price. So I will temporarily honor the sacrifices because they point to Jesus' blood. So if you keep these rules and regulations, you'll be righteous according to the law. That's what Paul said, I'm righteous. According to the law, I'm righteous. He wasn't a murderer by will. He killed people ignorantly. And he said, I obtain mercy. No other murderer obtains mercy. He can be saved, but the law is to put him to death if it catches him, okay? So we need to see that under those systems, they could obey certain things that God gave them. They were not, as the heretic teaches, totally depraved. That's Calvinism. The only totally depraved person is demons. Sinners are capable of doing good moral things. And if they haven't heard the gospel, God honors certain things. Cornelius, the angel said, your good works has come to a memorial before God. He didn't say, oh, you're a filthy sinner and I don't accept your works. He said they come up as a memorial. And because you have been faithful to do these good things, even to the Jewish people, he said, I'm going to show you the true way. But he was a righteous Gentile, honored by an angel. Heretics, Calvinism teach heresy. And then they teach when you come to the Lord, you have a license to sin. They're going to be surprised at the day of judgment. They will receive the greater condemnation like the hypocrite will. Okay? So he's revealing these things, bringing them to a certain place that he wants. He makes provision under each covenants and things that he deals with. 
And he winks at certain things. That means he, he doesn't call all the sins. He covers them temporarily. He allows certain things. He would allow wickedness and hate in a Jew's heart without outwardly judging him. But he would not allow it to be outwardly performed. Okay. Now, with the Christian, he will not tolerate hate in his heart. See, he works differently because he has the power of the Holy Spirit. He has some aids that the Jew did not have because it wasn't the time for God to enter them in a covenant, okay? So that's the difference. So his plan, God's revelation, was progressive. So God uh, really wants the righteous to live by faith. That was his original plan. That is, believe God, trust and obey him. There is no other faith. A belief without obedience or works is false. It's a false belief. It's a mental assent belief. No trust, belief, or faith in the Lord will do you any good if there is not obedience, fruit bearing, and spiritual works following. Cannot happen. See, because a person that believes in the Lord has repented. If he's a thief, he stopped stealing. If he's a fornicator, he stopped. He's not a baby Christian. That's a lie. And any teacher that teaches that and makes it to heaven by being ignorant, he will be the least in the kingdom of God. Isn't that interesting? So don't pacify people in their sins. Don't confirm them in their sins. When they do a gross sin, say, get right. Or you might die tonight and go to hell if you don't. That, that's what they need. They need the fear of the Lord. See, the modern ministers, oh, we don't fear God. He's our daddy. He's our Santa Claus. He loves us. He'll overlook all these. No, he won't. That's why he made the lake of fire. And that's why the majority of mankind is going to spend eternity weeping and gnashing their teeth because they despise the holy God, okay? Nobody wants to preach that today. Well then I could say that not many people are going to heaven today either. Okay, let's stop here. Give us wisdom, Lord, practical application. Give us the truth that we can be daily overcomers and not forsake the Lord in our good works, our obedience, and our fruit bearing, that we can prove that we're yours. In Jesus' name, amen.